0: Event professionals tend to over-schedule things at these conferences, and I'm speaking in generalities, a lot of people do it really well, but providing downtime, like I can't tell you the number of events you go to where the general session ends and then you're immediately on the bus to the evening event. Give them time to go to their room for a minute because not everybody can talk all day long to everybody. And what you'll end up having is a lot of people skipping your event because they didn't have that proper time to go recharge, change, refresh, and then come back to do more networking.
1: Great events create great brands, and it takes a village to put on an event that engages, excites, and connects audiences to your brand. And we're that village. I'm Alyssa. I'm Paulina. And I'm Rachel. And you're listening to Great Events, the podcast for all people interested in events and marketing. Hello, everyone. What has been going on in this wide, wide world of events? My name is Alyssa and welcome to this week's episode of Great Events, a podcast by c So this week, we are going to be talking about something that seems a little bit different for the event experience. We're going to be talking about introverts at events. Those things sometimes don't necessarily go hand in hand, but we know that we are not building our event experiences for only extroverts. So it's something to consider as part of not only the event itself, but also how we accommodate for the introverted event professional in the planning process as well. So I am joined today by Paulina, my fellow host of mine. So we're just going to chat just candidly about accommodating all of these different types of feeds and different types of personality traits at our event experiences. And I definitely can't claim to be a subject matter expert in this regard. I have done many a Myers-Briggs test, and I always test positively for being extroverted over here. If right? I know one thing about myself, but I have no issues or troubles kind of being the social butterfly in a lot of these settings. So Pauline, I don't know about yourself, however you identify, you and I were talking about that to start just to kind of get the audience to understand who we are as individuals because you can't assume either that we're also extroverted just because we're hosts. So I don't know how you identify.
2: Yeah, I think um, I think I identify as an extrovert who has a threshold or a capacity of how much time I spend with other people and the intensity of how I spend that time. We were joking and I said, you know, after 10 days in Vegas, I don't think I speak to anyone other than my dog for a good 24, 48 hours. Right. But yeah, I like to I think I consider myself I think I've done a Myers-Briggs test, you know, a handful of times years ago and, you know, all you know, answers pointed to extrovert. But I do think the role as an event professional, you know, you're customer facing, you embrace hospitality. So there is sort of a fake it till you make it kind of notion where you're going to be welcoming to anyone who comes, you know, to your information desk or your registration desk. And I think there's an interesting layer that event organizers have, you know, when it comes to cataloging themselves as introvert or extrovert, so just an interesting thought, I guess.
1: Yeah. And I think there's a lot of assumptions that we make about introverts and extroverts, both on who comes to our events, but also on our teams. Like I know I'm guilty of thinking like all event planners like to be social and they like to host parties, for example, right? You get into a profession where you're welcoming and you're accommodating and you're bringing people together. That doesn't necessarily mean that you 100% identify as that person who loves to be all consumed with people at all times too. So it's something to definitely consider in, in terms of the career planning side as well, Paulina being a leader of a lot of event planners themselves. So it's something to be considerate of when you're building teams and thinking about how you're fostering that type of collaboration when you're building your event experiences, not just about hosting those those audiences as well.
2: Yeah. I, I mean, when we host some of our internal event design meetings, you know, there there's a larger team than just the event design team that we'd like to be a part of it, right? We want Unique ideas coming and you know thinking outside of the box and so perhaps team members joining who aren't typically a part of those conversations, you know they might feel a little more timid in terms of contributing and I think you know technology is a great opportunity to to leverage for you know people who might be introverted or or less extroverted if you will and you know leveraging this Zoom reactions right raise your hand I, I think you know extroverts have tendency to talk over one another. Yeah, I love that, Pauline. I totally agree. So actually, we're actually joined by Rachel right
1: now. So I'd love to throw, I'd love to throw it to you, Rach. How do you identify in this kind of world of introversion and extroversion, both as an event planning professional, but also as an attendee at events?
0: Yeah, I I am straight up 50-50. I love being extroverted on site, but I need that uh, recharge time. And I think a common misconception, and I don't know if you guys talked about this, but a common misconception is that introverts are quiet and that they don't really contribute, or like we overvalue extroverts in this society and treat introverts as misfits. But it's actually not necessarily the case. It's just a matter of how they get their energy. So you might be an introvert, go to a meeting like this, exert all your energy into being on site, and then need a couple of days to regroup, like Paulina said. But then, you know, you might be a quiet introvert. There's like definitely unique strengths in both set both types, right? And I think there's like a healthy mix of both in uh, a lot of people. I don't know. For me, I'm I'm straight down the line.
1: Yeah, I and that's something that I wanted to talk about too. Was just kind of like the nuances and the differences between introversion and extroversion. And like you were just saying, Rach, it's not that introverts don't want to talk, but they're they need more structure in order to participate in the talking. So for example, when you're going to a networking experience or a networking event, I think an introvert's worst nightmare, as I was Googling this to understand what do introverts like at events? I was realizing that they really hate the small talk stuff. Anything that's like not really meaningful or where you're kind of like just wasting hot air, which we tend to be very good at on this podcast. They want the chance to speak. They want to be told when and where and, you know, to be given that kind of agenda of opportunity. So certain elements of your event experience might not be as best suited for the introvert, but that doesn't mean that you won't hear their voice present throughout your experience too. So I do think that that's something to be aware of, that we are making assumptions and not to overcorrect or course correct.
0: I know. And, and we, we like to consider that when we're planning and Connect and things like that. I know. You know, introverts could be more focused on one-on-ones. They could be more focused on like a workshopy type type content because they're maybe a little bit more creative or adept to like solving complex issues or problems. Or maybe they just they did di- digest information in different ways. than Introverts, you know, I, I I certainly do. I'm I'm more of a haptic learner, which is like if I if I don't get hands-on to the 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 problem or the issue or the topic, I'm not learning. And so we, you know, I think we try to take all, all of those different personality types into account, you know, with the content that we're doing at CVN Connect. And and it's like, we give you kind of like a cafeteria type mm-hmm. option of what you want, you can pick and choose from, and you don't have to be the loudest person in the room, but you, could, you can sit in a workshop and listen and contribute it maybe you're the person that's taking notes or you're the person that's whiteboarding or you're the person, you know, helping with the complex things behind scenes. But the extrovert in the room is the one loudly speaking. I don't know. Anything.
1: Yeah, I think one of the things that that a lot of event professionals do do a really good job is giving a level of preparedness to their audiences. So it's kind of like, you know what to expect and when you will be asked to speak as opposed to asking your audience to be put on the spot. I think like that is the number one thing as an introvert. You just want to have awareness of when you need to be social or when you need to be on, as opposed to just being on the whole time. So that like foresight is the best plan, you know, like give them just the tools to be successful on
0: site. Personally, I just spoke at an event and I I am terrified of public speaking. (laughs) I'm I'm on a podcast. so It's kind of funny, but I'm, I'm terrified. I get like my whole body shakes. It's, but it's a personal goal of mine so that that 50% of my extrovertness can come out. But after I spoke, I felt like I needed to just go into a, a quiet room for a minute and recharge. And like, yes, there's people coming up and asking questions, but I actually went to lunch by myself after that for, for you know, just 20 minutes. And then I was like, okay, now I'm ready to, ready to do it again, ready to network again. But I think if you provide those moments to your attendees, I think that that really helps. You know, I know you You talked about roundtables, birds of a feather meetups. That helps, too, if you know you're going into a situation that you have friends in the circle or you're only going to be talking about DEI or small meetings, you know, and not like meeting with all these people that are planning huge conferences that you have no nothing to relate to.
1: Right. Where you're not expecting the audience to find the commonality. It's that you as the planner are actually delivering that for them so that any kind of like social inequity or social, you know, like where you just feel socially uncomfortable is gone because you know that you have this common ground in this particular topic or this particular theme or, hey, you guys are all first timers. You're all fish out of water. Use that as the stepping stone for social engagement. And I think that will that alleviate a lot of the burden on an introverted person for sure.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, event professionals Tend to over schedule things at these conferences. And I'm speaking in generalities, a lot of people do it really well, but providing downtime, like I can't tell you the number of events you go to where the general session ends and then you're immediately on the bus to the evening event. Give them time to go to their room for a minute because not everybody can talk all day long to everybody. And what you'll end up having is somebody that you, a lot of people skipping your event because they didn't have that proper time to go recharge, change, refresh, and then come back to do more networking.
1: I've even thought about things like almost like do not disturb zones or like no networking zones, which feels like the complete opposite of why you might be going to an event. But to your point, Rich, like going back to your room is one way to recharge. But also, like you mentioned, you wanted to eat lunch alone. Like there could be opportunity even in a whole dining hall where you have tables that are reserved for quiet zones where people just need to have food alone or they prefer to eat alone. And then they can go back into all of the like major social settings that they
0: have. So I think to your point, like in that event design, we should test it and see I know we have wellness rooms and that's kind of similar to that, but do not disturb areas are interesting because a lot of times if I'm in an event and I need to just bang out of an hour of work, I need to go with my lap somewhere where no one bothers me because I need to focus because if someone I tried to do this at an event recently. I tried to go and sit in their like lounge area and, you know, someone comes up, people want to talk to you. They're well-meaning, but they're, you know, they're, they say, hey, do you mind if I sit here? And then they introduce themselves and then you feel obligated to talk to them. And I'm like, I just needed to get this like one slide deck done. And I didn't want to have to go all the way to, to my room to do that. You need the permission
1: to be like, it's okay for me to be off to the rest of everyone else right now. Like you need, and I guess I open this with like, you need structure, you need rules, you need permission. And I think that's probably the the best thing that we could offer to an introverted individual is just like the option for these things. And also for you to say, it's okay for you to th- be non-participatory or non-social in this setting, right? Because you're still participating. You're just participating in a different way or in a way that would traditionally Look like something that's, you know, against the norm. Is that why I like the quiet
0: car so much on Amtrak?
1: Yeah, (laughs) yes.
0: (laughs) And I love the feature that I forget which rideshare company came out with it, but it was like you could select if you wanted a driver that didn't talk to you or not. I know that's a that is a little too antisocial for me. I I, I'm okay talking a little bit in the car, but it's kind of interesting, right? Like you selecting that could mean that you just need time to just breathe on your own and be in your own brain. With your own monologue. Yeah,
1: and, and it gives even the driver an understanding of like, okay, this person just doesn't necessarily want to be talked to right now. And that's okay. It's just giving everybody the rules to follow the rules of engagement, which I think is important when we've got seas of people coming to our events. Um, I know Pauline and I talked a little bit about technology too, at the start of this conversation. I think it's really great how technology kind of creates equality across all of our, our participants in a way where Like you don't have to raise your hand, you don't have to get on your microphone to ask a question any longer. You can just submit it through a mobile app and you can either be anonymous. So if you're feeling like too shy or you just don't want to be on that microphone or you don't want to have your name associated with a question, I think technology is a really like equalizer for event experiences. I know we've also seen that with virtual events as well and hybrid events, giving individuals the option to not even have to be present on site. So um, I don't know if you've any, had any other ideas about how technology helps in that, Rachel, but I do think the, the mobile app in question is like is a huge game changer for different personalities at events.
0: Yeah, I mean, s- surveys pre-event to what people want, polling people so they're not like, I know it's so dumb, but like raising your hand might be like, even that's too much for someone. <laughs> so polling and, and offering that option to give feedback or you know, putting your QR code, what I did at a session is putting my QR code to my LinkedIn. And I said, it's okay if you don't want to come up to me and talk to me afterwards, but feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'm happy to just chat with you on DMs there and versus talking in person. Like giving people other options, I think is, is a good idea.
1: Yeah, I think so too. I think that everybody has their... Especially nowadays, different ways for social engagement. Now that the options are almost like limitless, social media being one of them, mobile apps, tried to conferences or events being another. But yeah, I wouldn't have even thought about that as like an additional the follow up piece, not even like participating in the event.
0: So a, ra- a random one I just thought of was, um oh shoot, uh, a silent discos <laughs> where you don't have to talk to anybody, but you can still dance.
1: <laughs> yeah, although I tend to think that's still pretty extroverted activity. <laughs>
0: You have to look like a big weirdo. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe that's just a personal preference. I don't know if that's extra reverse introverted.
1: Well, I think this is a really great conversation. Rach and Paulina, thanks for joining this chat. And we call them hosts riffs where we're just kind of spitballing and thinking of ways that we can accommodate different types of attendees, different types of event professionals. You know, as always, thanks for joining us. Listeners, send us a message. (laughs) However you want to engage with us because we can't see you guys. But send us a message on LinkedIn or a note at great at cvent.com. If you don't like to use LinkedIn, we'd love to hear from you. We love your ideas. Keep them coming. But once again, thanks for tuning in to great events and we'll see you next week. Bye.